0: Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Definitely, I think uh, relationships, and that doesn't always mean romantic. I know people love to funnel that, but it's relationship with ourselves, relationship with coworkers, and again, what I call pro-inflammatory people and pro-inflammatory thoughts. So hmm. these are just as problematic as pro-inflammatory foods like gluten and sugar, Like people are so quick to say, I'll never have bread again, and then they'll stay in a dysfunctional relationship for six years, and then they wonder why their health never gets better.
0: Hey there, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, before we get into the guest today, I just want to do a quick shout out to someone who left a wonderful review for us. And as you guys know, I do that occasionally. It's like a cool thing. You know, if you're going to ask for reviews, we greatly appreciate them, of course. But I think then we should also be reciprocating and kind of shouting out the people who are nice enough to leave those for us. So this one is... Uh, by Functionality by M. It was on August 23rd of 2021. And they said, inspiring and so interesting as the title. I love hearing how people overcome their health struggles. And this podcast is that and so much more. If you're struggling with any health issue, you must listen in. I didn't know I had so many options to heal myself until listening. They dive deep into the guest's life experiences and what they've learned along the way. I highly recommend. Well, we really appreciate that Functionality by M. Sounds like you're in the functional space yourself. Uh, Thank you so much for leaving that review for us. Now, we're going to get into the guest that we are talking to today, and I had an absolute blast talking with her. Actually, really interesting. She is a um, FDN, and I always like trying to find FDNs that are close by, and I know that they exist, but, I mean, there's thousands of graduates out there. It's not like everyone is amazingly active in the community. Um, A ton are. It's, It's cool, but it's not everyone. So, the thing is... I mean, we're lucky enough to have practitioners in 30 plus countries around the world. So, you know, if there's thousands even of people that are super active in our groups, you're still going to be kind of it's going to be hard to find someone in your exact location. So I just thought that was cool that we were within kind of an hour and a half. I actually was just talking to someone recently. This is the record for me that is currently about to sign up for the course and they are 20 minutes away. And this other person who I think she already did sign up for the course, she reached out uh, recently and she was about 40 minutes away. So I just thought it's awesome. The FDN community is expanding so much. And so you have so many options. You got all these FDNs running around and then you got FDN Thrive, of course. <laughs> but today's guest, her name Name is Brianna Diorio and Brianna is wicked sharp. She is someone who clearly has no intent to ever stop learning and has pursued all of these different things. So I'm not actually sure if this is in order, but it would kind of logically make sense. And I feel like she just started stacking these on top of each other. So I want to read these off real quick. She is a certified personal trainer. She's also, as I mentioned, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She's a holistic lifestyle coach herbal practitioner, clinical nutritionist. She has a master's degree in that. And then she is just about to wrap up her PhD in integrative medicine. I mean, how impressive is this, right? So I wonder what is next for her. I actually should have asked that on the podcast, but I totally forgot. I was very kind of intrigued by the things she was sharing. Now, Brianna, like most of us, you know, believes in a holistic approach to health and fitness in which mind and body are viewed as one in order to achieve optimal levels of wellness. She also advocates for a holistic and alternative approach to integrative medicine where emphasis is placed on treating the whole person and taking an individualized approach, incorporating mental and emotional health, integrative psychiatry, functional medicine, and alternative therapies, dietary supplements, and herbs, of course. So what's cool about Brianna too is, I mean, certainly she's had some health struggles, but as you guys know, the primary type of interview that we are doing on this podcast are ones where these people have pretty extreme health issues and we're doing some investigative work to figure out maybe specifically what that was. Now again, Brianna definitely dealt with health issues, but she said herself, you know, it's not necessarily um, some of the stuff that we typically hear on here, but the reason I love to have these people on is one, because it just changes the pace, it's fun, but where Brianna might not have the craziest, most random health condition that you've ever heard, she obviously has the education to share with us some pretty valuable things. And what I thought was most interesting about this interview, literally the most interesting thing, was the fact that, once again, you have this highly educated person, knows all this technical knowledge, and her approach to wellness, after all these years of being in practice for herself, to almost 10, I think, at this point, is still very simple. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right. Hi there, Brianna. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I am doing well and even better because, guys, listen, if you're the audience listening to this, you do not know the struggles that Brianna and I have gone through to get this dang podcast uh, recorded and out. We've had like back and forth, just things come up in each other's lives. I think it... Well, I know exactly when I came home for that. So I started this trend and that was in May of 2021. It is now August at the time of recording. So I am so glad to be talking to you.
1: I'm excited as well. And I think sometimes timing is important in life and um, I think it will probably foster a more organic and exciting conversation.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So on this podcast, we always start with the same question. And that is just a question that's based off the fact that most people get into this space, not by accident, they get in because they either had their own stuff or had someone in their life that was dealing with some stuff that maybe wasn't working with a conventional way of thinking. So I'm curious, you know, I know that you had kind of said to me before, maybe the story isn't anything crazy, but certainly there was some health symptoms there. So let's start with when did those health symptoms start and what exactly were they? What do they look like?
1: Absolutely. I love going into the history and the ideology of how things came to be. Um, I, I originally kind of got into health and wellness. You know, I was personal training and doing all that. I was getting my master's in human nutrition and. You know, at that time, I kind of thought like nutrition was the only thing that mattered and whatnot. And you know, being in graduate school was very stressful. And so I started just to notice some things where I wasn't functioning functioning as optimally as I wanted. So I was super tired all the time, even though I was, you know, like sleeping pretty well. Um, I like was not as pleasant as I normally would be. You know, I was a bit more moody recovering from the gym kind of slowly, and just kind of being like wired and tired. And so I have kind of turned that into this idea of being a recovering super spaz of this type A go 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 personality all the time overachieving perfectionist. And running yourself into the ground and thinking that rest is a bad thing. And so, you know, my body, as you know, as well, like if if you don't listen, your body will make you listen. And so I kind of reached a point where I was just getting sick a lot, you know, um, because stress can have such, you know, negative impacts on the immune system. And I, you know, I just kind of felt like I I wasn't my peppy positive self. And so that's kind of where I I got a little bit more into, you know, testing the adrenal stuff, you know, because at that time, adrenal quote fatigue was a thing. And Um, I wanted to find out more of the science of that and what that meant. And yeah, kind of just took off from there.
0: Cool. So um, I was trying to look this up, but obviously this isn't going to, I can't do this quickly on a podcast. I I keep wanting to look up what percentage roughly of the population falls under this, you know, hypothesized uh, category of type A personality, because I totally believe that these exist. But I find it so interesting because I would assume it's, let's say it's close to 50-50 or even 60-40 type A, type B respectively. A type A is so overrepresented in these people who come through FDN and the functional world. I mean, I'm there myself. And I don't know which comes first. Is it that these type A personalities cause themselves to deal with more health issues? Or is it just another correlation that I'm not aware of? But there's something to that. And I think that's a good lesson for everyone on the podcast. If you haven't already noticed that trend before, we got to be a little careful right? About what we're doing and how we're managing stress. Because in today's world, as you know, I mean, just living is stressful. Pollutants, the toxins, the artificial lights. I mean, you really can't avoid it even if you're trying to be perfect. So I'm sure that uh, when we add on additional stress from working our butts off or studying our butts off, that doesn't really help, right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And, And I feel bad for stress because stress has gotten such a bad rap over the years. And I, I think it's important that people understand there's a difference between elimination and mitigation. And so the goal for anybody is, you know, how do I kind of stop that vicious cycle? Like, am I stressed? Am I stressing out about being stressed? Or I see this a lot with people when they're trying to be so perfect with their health and create a protocol that's amazing. And there's 90 different steps. And it's like, Okay, at some point, it's about how full is my stress bucket? How much am I contributing to that? And what are some internal and external factors that can help to modulate that? And I think that's kind of why it's important to be your own, quote, health detective, and see where there are hidden patterns, see where you're actively participating, and seeing, you know, what other things lifestyle wise can be contributing to that, not just I think to your point, people use it as a default, like, oh, well, I'm just that's just how I am. And it's like, right, but that's okay. Now, what are you going to do about that? And how are we going to change positively?
0: (laughs) I like that you mentioned that because I think this is pretty natural for us type A personalities to somehow take this stress reduction and the idea of healing and still make this some systematic, you know, very stressful event. And I did this myself because I remembered, okay, now I know which time I'm supposed to go to bed. Fantastic. Now, if I don't go to bed at that time, or I know I'm not going to be able to, I start freaking out. I'm like, okay, well, let's say I'm supposed to go to bed at 10 and I am I now am forced to stay up till 12, whatever it is. You're staying up till 12 anyway. That's already happening. So, why would you add more stress on top of it by freaking out? It's like this acceptance. It is what it is. You know, I mean, yes, it might not be optimal, but adding stress to it is not going to help. And I don't know if you've found this in your experience, either with yourself or people that maybe you're working with, but I have found sometimes the stress from, you know, thinking that we're not doing the right thing is sometimes worse than the stress of the thing that we didn't do right to begin with. Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is why it's so important not only to reframe stress and anxiety and like befriend it, but also it's very important to understand what kind of stressor are you? So just because like when I stress, maybe it maybe doesn't affect my sleep at all. But for some people it makes them have their skin break out. For some people, their hair falls out. For some people, they have you know, missed menstrual cycles. I mean, so figuring that out, I think is also step one of just, again, not defaulting to hands up like, oh, well, it's just stress and whatever. And it's like, no, stress is inherently a part of the evolutionary process to keep <laughs> us alive. Any emotion is there to prime us and let us know like, hey, this isn't working or we need to like reassess some things. But like I said, it's also important to figure out how do I personally stress and how does, how do those symptoms manifest in my body personally?
0: Sure. I love that you brought up the skin breakout thing because many people wouldn't even necessarily, well, I think people that deal with it chronically are very aware actually that stress causes like acne or something like that. But many other people that haven't dealt with it wouldn't realize that. That's one of the first symptoms that happens to me. First thing, if I go off track would be something like that. Now that's, in my opinion, actually relatively minor and great that it's not something more severe. You know, I can take that and handle that at this point, but it's just weird because, yeah, some people will have you, you know, like on their labs or from their experience and the things that they're sharing, they are not doing well. And yet they're the most like physically attractive person mm-hmm. in the world, right? So it does affect everyone differently. That's yeah. for sure. No,
1: now, absolutely. Kind of- and I think it's so important how you even said that too. Like labs are such one part of it. And like, the, that's great. It's a tool, but like understanding emotions too, you know, like in Chinese medicine, they talk a lot about emotions and, you know, organ health and all that. And so the liver actually, which processes, you know, all of our hormones and detoxification compounds and all that also processes emotion. The emotion sure. with the liver is like anger. So, you know, if you're going through an quote, emotional detox, that can also be problematic and be manifested on the face.
0: Absolutely. All right. So going back to your story, you know, you're dealing with some of these symptoms and definitely getting sick more often. Were you putting really any like major thought into this at the time? And if so, like, what were you doing? Or is this kind of just, hey, this is life. Because some people do. They, we don't think twice about some of the symptoms we're dealing with.
1: Yeah. At that time I was kind of like, it's a future Brianna problem. You'll figure it out (laughs) when you're done with graduate school and um, just keep drinking more coffee, keep working out more and keep just digging yourself into a deeper hole. And what I had come to learn was that when you find yourself in a hole, the best thing to do is to stop digging. And (sighs) I think a lot of the times we don't always stop digging. We just keep throwing supplements at it or taking an allopathic approach instead of saying, okay, I'm not going to take aspirin. I'll take white willow. Like all right, well, we still need to take a step back and be like, what, how am, how did I get here? And like, how long has this been going on? And I'm sure you've seen this with people you've interacted with too. Like they come to you and they've been doing this th- themselves for a year or two years or whatever. And they want to be fixed in two weeks. And it's like, that's not how healing works because becoming well and becoming unwell are both processes that take time to, to contribute to and to undo.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I did it honestly, primarily, and I'm always very transparent about this on podcasts or anywhere I'm public. I mean, it was really as a kid for me just using substances like specifically marijuana, That it does have medicinal benefits. Now, do I think we should be hiding a youth's mental health issues with that or doing it illegally? No, that's different. But it was helping kind of mitigate my symptoms. But the problem was when I could no longer do that, all the things I wasn't working on for the last two years of using it daily. Yeah, now that I have to face that. And now that's a problem. And you realize you're actually a lot worse than where you started. So. I mean, that might be a little more on the far end of the spectrum than what people might typically do. But yeah, it's the same thing with the supplements. I see it all the time with the caffeine and coffee. Oh, I'm tired, so I'll just do this. Well, you do that for five years, which is very common. <laughs> when you stop, you realize, oh, wow, well, I'm pretty banged up or another symptom's going to manifest. And that's going to get you to stop doing that every single day.
1: Absolutely. I mean, as Reed says, I remember that was one of the first quotes that resonated with me. He said, symptoms aren't the problem. They're the result of the problem. <laughs> and that I think is so important for people to remember because that's just how your body talks to you. We have trillions of cells inside of us that make up tissues, that make up organs that function and dysfunction together. So if there's something going on at the cellular level and like, they're not happy, your body is not going to be happy. And then again, it's just, I think we saw this a lot this last year with, with COVID and whatnot, where all the things that people would do externally to to suppress symptoms or deal with them like people couldn't do that anymore and so it did bring to light a lot of stuff about mental health or you know like just poor coping mechanisms and then the symptoms were like all right well we're we're here to stay because you're in lockdown you don't really have anything else to do
0: that's so true i i think we've all seen this especially in the functional space for like more uh- we're lucky enough to be more aware of these types of things. I have seen this such extreme uh, polarities in this last year where some of my friends, they have experienced the best and biggest growth in their life, whether it's through relationships, finances, health or whatever. And then others, you know, they're plummeting, but I do think there's, it's like a pendulum, right? They're going to come back on the other side eventually, but yeah, no, this uh, uncovered a lot of things for many people. And we're like, Oh wow. I have to deal with that. Cause yeah, there's no way to, practically distract ourselves anymore, because yeah, you're just stuck at home with your thoughts. And I mean, sure, you can watch the TV or whatever. But those things don't work for major problems. Like you're going to have to face this stuff eventually. So I love that you brought that up.
1: Yeah, Tiger King can only go so far and there's only so many episodes. And then you got to say, well, it's time for me to uh, deal with some of my issues.
0: <laughs> sure. So speaking of dealing with issues, when did you get to the point where you actually did start dealing with these issues? Like, did it get progressively worse and you had like a wake up call or did you just stumble across information? I'm curious, like how this progressed after or maybe even during grad school.
1: I think it was kind of just like, that was my normal. That was how I functioned. You know, I like to be busy and I like to be go, go, go. You know, I wake up, wake up at 4 a.m. And like, you know, so for me, that was kind of my baseline. It wasn't really that bad until, like I said, when, you know, I was trying, I started to feel unbalanced in a lot of areas of my life. And I kind of started reading more about it again, because at that time, you know, the term adrenal fatigue was Mm -hmm. going around a lot. And I was like, I don't think my adrenals are fatigued. I think I'm fatigued as a person. And there's definitely a difference between like resting and sleeping. And so it was kind of just, you know, some of those clinical correlations where I was like, I don't get it. I'm like working out and I'm eating like this. And I I feel like I still don't look the way that I want to look. I look kind of like puffy. Like I said, slow recovery, Um, just being very moody. And I was like, all right, this, this is not going to fly for me anymore. So What can I do? And then when I was doing the FDN certification at the time, part of our course was you had to run some of these labs on yourself. And it was interesting because I had like, I'm Italian. Like I grew up eating bread, pasta, all this stuff. I had never had any of these issues with like all these food sensitivities all of a sudden and whatever. And so it was like things I couldn't eat anymore was bumming. Like that was bumming me out. And so, you know, I did some of the things like the stool test and I did the adrenal testing and all that. And at the time it was really helpful because I was like, all right, well, I don't want to keep having to avoid everything for the rest of my life. I always say life is meant to be lived. So like, (laughs) what where can i start changing things now so i can start getting more out of my my like health and not having sure. to do so much all the time because that's exhausting sometimes which then further perpetuates that cycle of being like oh here we go again i'm stressing out about stressing out so like where where can i stop this yeah
0: no. Okay. I'm curious. I want to rewind for a second because clearly you had a mindset around health to begin with. I get that. But FDN is a very specific type of thing, especially guys, Um, I found out right before the call, you know, this woman is an OG FDN. She graduated in 2013. So that was, I mean, the course has been around for over 10 years, but still, I mean, 2013, I don't think there was probably... Even a uh, not nearly as many graduates as there are now. Like that was a very small percentage because we were still kind of building up. So this is very niche and it's not well known even. So how did you find out about this and like what specifically attracted you to something so again what most people would consider niche?
1: I honestly don't remember. I want. <laughs> I mean, I'm a nerd, so like I think it's just me selfishly wanting to learn and all of that. I, it might have been when I was doing my check. Um, holistic lifestyle coaching certification. And I think that there maybe was somebody else in the room at that time who had kind of talked about it. Or I think I came out, you know how it goes, research rabbit holes. You come across an article and I think maybe Reed was, you know, the author or something like that. And I, I think it was kind of just like I was opening up my own practice at the time and I wanted to kind of just like take it to the next level. And so I think with anybody who's really good at what they do, it comes from almost a selfish place because I selfishly wanted to learn more. So I was like, well, I'm going to do this and put myself through it. And I know this is going to actually help other people, other clients, other health practitioners. And so it was kind of just like the next evolution of my education and wellness journey. And it was kind of like, again, you know, I think the further you go into this field, it's like every time you think you know something, you do another class or whatever. And you're like, I know nothing. And so it's yeah. kind of just that my 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 quench for, you know, my thirst for knowledge and all of that combined with having some of my own things and wanting to dig a little bit deeper. And I always joke and say like, life is one big group project. I'll do it myself. I was seeing doctors where I felt like they couldn't give me answers sure. or I was going in being like, Hey, did you, did you read about this? Or have you heard about this? And I was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll do it myself. And that's kind of how I think I stumbled upon FDN many, many moons ago.
0: Okay, cool. And I, I think I like that you used the word selfish because that is this term that's almost considered inherently bad. I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. We're not saying all selfishness all the time. I I love the, um, I don't even, I forget what the term that you would use to reference this, but like in the category that it's in, but it's the phrase or saying or whatever, Um, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So by definition, we need to be selfish for a little bit to fill the own cup. And then, you know, we can pour out every now and then, all right, got to refill, pour out every now and then. So life is supposed to be this mix of selfishness, giving selfishness, service to others, whatever it is. And this applies for so many things other than health, right? This is donating from our finances. If we're not able to pay the bills, it's kind of stupid to be donating money probably at that time. Like we're going to have to make sure that we're covered first and then we can go do that stuff. So I think that makes total sense. And when you were going through the FDN course, I know it's, I mean, it is so much more in depth and there's many more labs included even now. Um, from when I graduated in 2017, let alone 2013, but clearly you would have gotten some insights and found some stuff. So maybe I don't even know if you remember the specifics, but even if it's just general, that's fine. Like what were some of the main things that you found back then that were like either surprising or maybe you had never considered as being factors to your health symptoms before?
1: So the Dutch hormone test was really interesting for me because I I saw a lot what was going on with my liver, you know, like liver metabolites and uh, organic acid testing and all of that. So, I thought that that was cool because I think so many, again, people just focus on cortisol and that's so bad. And it's like, no, cortisol is inherently anti inflammatory and we need it and it's important. And then there's also a whole other litany of stress hormones. So, what's mm-hmm. going on with when my serotonin breaks down and what's going on when dopamine breaks down and, you know, other things that also can influence mood and can influence your stress levels and all of that. So, I think that was really important. And then, you know, the stool test that I had eventually run as well, I thought was really cool because that, you know, at the time, I don't know if it was partially like psychosomatic where I I was trying to find a diagnosis for why I was bloated or why I had whatever. And like, you know, it just gave some more interesting insight to be like, okay, yeah, like zonulin and, you know, some of these other markers like for inflammation were higher. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Now, what what have I been doing differently that's causing that? And I went back to over exercising, um, stressing a lot, you know, uh, and kind of, you know, not giving my body the rest that it needed. So I think that those were some of the ones that were different that I ended up using a lot with my own clients in my practice. And, you know, even the food sensitivity testing I found earlier in my practice was helpful for people when I didn't understand as many of the mechanisms and different pathways in the body, you know, with biochemical individuality and all of that.
0: Sure. Yeah. The food sensitivity test, it's weird because, um, I don't want to just hone in on that one point, but it is relevant because especially in today's climate in the functional space, at least like there's a lot of hate on it. I think if it's worded correctly or sorry, I should say uh, used correctly and worded correctly, how it's going to be used. I like it. It's an easy win for people. If they have the money, cool. Like let's do this to get the easy win. And FDN has always done such a good job because they've never acted like food sensitivities are these core problems. Um, Perhaps with the exception of like gluten for some, you know, maybe that's something you don't ever want to really be using again. Like I don't, ever eat gluten. I haven't done that in years, intentionally at least. I'm sure maybe I've had accidental exposure. But outside of that, yeah, virtually any other food goes eventually. that's So it's a great tool um, in our tool belt, but it's not the end-all be-all. So I like that you've had benefit with that as well. In 2013, when you graduated, did you jump right into practice with this or like how did that go afterwards?
1: Yes. So I was, I had opened up a CrossFit gym at the time, actually. I was living in, I finished grad school in Connecticut, so I had opened up a CrossFit gym. So I kind of started my practice there with my business partner at the time. And so that was just another service that I was offering, you know, when I was doing the FDN, you know, like to have the more functional lab testing. And it was cool because it also, you know, there's such a great network in the FDN, what I love. I I think it's one of the best professional networks and postgraduate networks. For, you know, you see on all the Facebook groups and stuff where people will post, I had this client and they had this test, and what do you guys think? Or, you know, even just like the webinars and, and conference calls and all that. And it's just, there's so many resources, which I think that's a big part of why education is important. It's not always about, you know, what you learn. It's about connections that you make. And I think that that was invaluable as well. So, you know, even just learning other ideas like, hey, you should think about doing seminars here and webinars. And, you know, so I was offering services to local businesses and doing like lunch and learns and all that kind of stuff. And there was so much material that they gave us at the time that it was really easy to just like go and use that for webinars. And to this day in my practice, I still use all of the FDN intake forms for all of my clients, whether they have nice. a one-time session with me or they're with me for a year, which at the time, you know, it's a lot. It's they're very, very, you know, in depth. Um, but I think they're some of the best tools around, and they give such a good, solid blueprint that I still to this day use all of them.
0: Cool. So I really like this one, actually, because I know that in the very beginning before we got on, it's like, okay, maybe the health story isn't the most insane thing we've ever heard here. But I think that offers a great opportunity to to actually talk more about the information that you've acquired because you are someone, it just seems, that never stops learning. If I'm not mistaken, well, I don't want to misspeak. I know you're working on something right now. What what degree are you working on this time?
1: <laughs> yes, I will be. I'm um, finishing up my doctorate, so I'll be a PhD in integrative medicine. Um, okay, and, all yeah, right. Defending, defending my dissertation in October, so you know, back nine of that, which is exciting.
0: All right, good for you. That's awesome. So. Okay, yeah, we definitely got a lot to unpack then for the next like 30 minutes. <laughs> when, since, Especially since you've been in practice for so long, that's kind of cool because i met some people on here that were FDNs that, yes, maybe they graduated a lot earlier than I'm typically interviewing people. You know what I mean by that. I worded that wrong, but I think right. the audience could figure it out. Long weekend. Um but they didn't necessarily get into practice right away. Like they did this for their own health stuff because we didn't have FDN Thrive at the time. So they were doing this for their own health stuff. And then maybe years later they decided to do it. But you've been doing this work for a while. So who is um like your niche at this point? Like what is the ideal type of client that you're serving?
1: I actually heard somebody say that your ideal client is younger versions of yourself, which is funny because <laughs> I didn't hear that until like a week ago. But looking back on all the clients that I've had over the years, it is mostly the type A overachieving super spaz, who is trying so hard to be perfect at everything that they don't know how to draw boundaries when it comes to their health. And so a lot of what I do is helping people unlearn things that are not great for them or what no longer serve them. And I think with most FDN practitioners, I'm the person that they reach after they've gone to 20 other doctors, they've spent thousands of dollars, they're at their wits end, and they're like, please God help me. So they already have, you know, lab work that they've done. They've tried a whole different line of supplements and everything. So they're just, they're fed up. And so I'm kind of like a last stop for a lot of people who also, you know, my approach is very specific. Like I am, let's get to the point. Let's be realistic about how we're contributing as well. So, you know, I think that's important for people to remember too, is you have to find a a practitioner that jives with your personality and your goals. Like if somebody's coming to me and they're like, I want to lose weight for a wedding. I'm not your practitioner. I'm not, I don't. That to me is not as important, right? Like, but if you're somebody who's been struggling with your health and it's affecting your quality of life, and you want to learn and you want to learn why this is happening and what the triggers are and how to prevent this in the future, like that's me. So people who come to me are they're ready to learn? They really like they want to bridge that gap. They want to make clinical correlations, and they're generally just tired of what they've been doing because it's not working for them anymore.
0: Okay, I I love that. I've actually never heard that myself. That it's younger version of you, and I'm like thinking because when I was taking more clients, it's not really something I do at the time or at this time, you know, it was a a mix of like people, my age and even slightly older, but in my other career where I do like speaking stuff, it's all, you know, people 10 years younger explaining stories. And I, I think, it works better there. So that makes sense. Your ideal client is this younger version of yourself. You know what I mean? So I like that a lot.
1: But I Uh, I do think that when you're young in your career, like you take who you can get, right? So like your (laughs) family and friends are your first clients, right? Like all of my friends, all my families, all my homies from the gym, like those were all my original, like you do a lot of stuff for free because again, selfishly, that's how you're learning. Somebody comes to me with a case that I've never researched before. And I'm like, okay, well, now I have to do research and learn how to, to understand this and then give you a protocol. So don't underestimate you know, pro bono stuff when you're younger in your career, when you are trying to build credibility and understand it's a symbiotic relationship because you can also learn things as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. Okay, so with these people, you've obviously been working with these types of individuals for a long time now. What are some of the core things that you're seeing? Because I already heard you say that you, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but you are working on these things that are probably related more to their type A-ness than anything else. But are there like common things that you're seeing on the labs? Like, do these people have certain trends in hormones or gut stuff, or is it kind of all over the map, but the similarities come in the personalities?
1: So I've actually, I don't lead with labs first, okay. because what I have found is that a lot of people will treat the paper and not the person. And then we create these self-fulfilling prophecies where people say, and, and I get it, because if you've been feeling so unwell for a really long time, people just want a diagnosis. Sometimes sure. they want to know, like, you have X, Y, Z symptom, And they don't always love that because what I, a lot of what I do is helping people understand how powerful the mind is and the field of things like psychoneuroimmunology and the mind-body connection and what's going on when we say these things, how that's directly influencing our cells and our mitochondria and our rest of our body. So I like to do a lot of the intake form stuff first and get very boring and back to the basics with health and see where are their imbalances and where are the common denominators. So a lot of the times when I'm seeing these type A people, of course, all of them are presenting all in this stress adrenal profile, right? That's usually jacked up. We're also seeing a lot of stuff with the liver gut going on. Sure. And then, you know, a lot of times we're seeing issues with sleep and even pain stuff going on, right? Like they feel really sore because of these high levels of, of inflammatory cytokines, and then a lot of mood uh, mood stuff. So anxiety, uh, you know, like mood disorders, uh, irritability, all that kind of stuff. Because again, all that kind of goes back to imbalances in what's going on with the nervous system and what's going on with the endocrine system and all of that. And then, you know, when we take it a step further, it's not surprising when we do run a lab, like I said, like the Dutch test or whatnot, it generally comes up in the liver. We see a lot of more of the pro-inflammatory pathways for, mm-hmm. you know, testosterone and estrogen and all of that. And, you know, even things like insulin dysregulation. And like I said, some of those metabolites for our neurotransmitters, being unbalanced. So I like to kind of do it the opposite where I let I also want the person to be involved and not just rely on a lab work all the time and say, like, okay, what when was the last time you actually felt good? And through that intake form process, as you know, arduous and, and lengthy as it can be, they're like, you know what, I have filled this out in six different ways already. And now I'm realizing how I don't ever give myself time to relax, or I'm so hard on myself, or I worry so much, or, you know, I'm so stressed about X, Y, Z, I'm in a very unhealthy relationship, pro-inflammatory people in my life. And so I think that's a really important part for me in my practice, where I think they get more out of it. And then we run the labs to be like, see, and now here's the science to show you as well. So I like it kind of as a one, two part, um, you know, approach.
0: Totally cool. I mean, this is why we do the podcast, you know, because obviously as amazing as FDN is and Reed, this is what I love about Reed. He knows it's not perfect. Otherwise, we'd be getting 100% results 100% of the time. Now, I do think a lot of this has to do with compliance of the individual, but that's besides the point. Um, I think we have a pretty damn near, we have one of the best systems that are out there. That's for sure. I, I just have seen that in my own life and I get to interview so many people from this and I'm like, wow, like I cannot believe how consistent this happens. However, I don't think anywhere in healthcare yet has that 100% down 100% of the time. So we still have these other things. So to have another perspective on is always welcomed and good. And I think it's even more credible that you have this extensive background, not only in education of constantly learning, but you've been doing this work for a while and have found that this is kind of the most... Um, you know, worthy route to take at least with these individuals, and probably many others. So, do you always end up running labs, or are there some people that hey, they're just working with you one on one, and that's all they love or need?
1: Yeah. So again, I, I think it, you have to meet the person where they are. If they come to you and they're paying you to be like, listen, I want these labs run, you're not going to be like, mm, well, I don't think we should do that. Like, let's talk about our feelings. Like, obviously, you know, <laughs> you're going to run the lab. So again, okay. it's, it's knowing, and it's also, I think, talking about like what's our big, what's our long-term goal? Like if you're just trying to fix something in a month and you want a lab result to prove that you should be taking 90 supplements, again, that I'm probably not the practitioner for you. There's people out there they will do it. That's fine. Um, so I think it kind of depends. You know, some people, I will tell them from day one, like, listen, we're going to do the really boring stuff first. We're going to do these intake forms. We're going to actually talk about how you're functioning in your life or how you're not functioning. And then we will run the labs after. And so usually by that time, we're already two or three weeks in. We have built some rapport. We have relationships. I understand. And you know how it goes. Sometimes people think that they're going to get extra credit on their intake forms by lying about things. And I'm like, it doesn't help anybody <laughs> if you pretend credit. to answer a certain way, it yeah. will come out eventually. And mm-hmm. so as you start to have some more of those calls and and you know what whatnot, I think that that's helpful. And that's why, again, I don't always love starting with the test because sometimes people will be like, oh yeah, 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 no, that's exactly how I feel. And that's not, it's like you know, when you're in class and you have a question and you're too afraid to ask, you know, yeah, yeah, and then somebody yeah. brings it up and you're like, oh, thank God. So I think it happens like that sometimes where it's like, no, let's kind of walk through this together, and then we can run a lab. But again, I think it's important to you know if that's what they really want from the, from day one, say yeah, and then you can say, hey, listen, while those while it's going to take a couple weeks to get those labs back, let's do this other work as well. So I sure. think it's you know a marriage of those two.
0: You can tell that um you're constantly learning it in school because of the two references we have the extra credit thing and like the kid who's afraid to raise their hand in class and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. Um, all right. Then in terms of these general. Uh, Let's call it recommendations. Or uh, well, that's not fair. I I wouldn't call it a general recommendation. Let's call it non-clinical recommendations because they're not um, lab-oriented recommendations. There may be more lifestyle-based stuff or stress reduction-based stuff. At the end of the day, the Health Detective podcast is all about figuring out like what are these things that the mainstream is really not talking about, or at least not identifying. So I think if you just spoke about it generally, I think it would still serve many of the people listening. Considering I know the Type A's are overrepresented amongst everyone that works with us or becomes a practitioner through the FDN certification program. What are recommendations that you constantly find yourself giving out? Is it more sleep? Is it like better relationships? Like what's common with your clients?
1: Definitely. I think, uh, relationships, and that doesn't always mean romantic. I know people love to funnel that, but it's relationship with ourselves, relationship with coworkers. And again, what I call pro-inflammatory people and pro-inflammatory thoughts. So hmm. these are just as, problematic as Pro inflammatory foods like gluten and sugar. Like people are so quick to say, I'll never have bread again. And then they'll stay in a dysfunctional relationship for six years. And then they wonder why their health never gets better. So I think that that's a really important thing is, you know, understanding where do I contribute to what's not working in my life anymore and also a big thing that i see is people they tried something that worked for them five years ago even five months ago and they cling so desperately to it and they're like yeah but i used to do this and i used to eat this and it doesn't work anymore and it's like also just releasing the death grip on life of like this protocol doesn't work for me anymore because I have different things that are going on in my life or just because it's healthy doesn't mean it's healthy for you. You know, somebody says you should wake up at 5am and do an hour of yoga and then journal and then be grateful. And then it's like, great. But then when do I like make breakfast for my kids or like have time for myself (laughs) or again, like have balance in my life. So I think it's just because you read every article or there's a new research every day. It's like, that doesn't mean you have to immediately integrate that into your life. So I think that those are some common themes that I see amongst the type A overachiever, because they're like, Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to be the most stressed out person you've ever had, because I'm the best at everything I do. And that includes being like, you know, super, super spaz. And so it's like taking a step back from that. And then, you know, also, I think just utilizing some things that are a bit more natural, you know, I, I'm a family herbalist as well. And so I think using some botanicals that can support The nervous system known as nerve beans, right? So when you feel like people quite literally getting on your nerves, or you feel like you're going to have a nervous breakdown, we say these things all the time, like things that lower adrenaline, things that can, you know, help bring us back into the now things that can kind of relax and balance more of that sympathetic, you know, nervous system response, and kind of help us just, you know, be more present. So you know, things like chamomile and hops and valerian and kava and things that have been around for a really long time that I think, again, maybe aren't as sexy or, you know, they take a lot longer to work because they're, you know, herbal based and they're more natural. So, you know, just giving time, some time as well, I think are some things that are maybe, you know, underrated, but have a lot of value
0: well, hey, depending on how much kava you take it can be pretty fun. So <laughs>
1: absolutely. yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I got a it was funny because I found about out about FDN when I was in San Diego, and I was just out there for like four or five months trying to learn more about health of like young kid, no money out there with one of my best friends. And coincidentally, another friend was out there. And he's like, Have "You guys ever heard of like a kava bar? I'm like, nope. And he's like, there's one in San Diego. We should go. And I'm like, okay, like give it a shot. Um, And, yeah, we're out there. Very cool thing. But, of course, it has this great therapeutic benefit as well when you're not drinking like three or four cups of it, um, (laughs) you know, at the coffee bar or whatever. And even then, it's just kind of a cool thing. I would take that over drinking alcohol any Saturday. Personally, that's just my – I'd much rather have that kind of nice relaxing effect rather than, okay, I feel like I need to throw up and – you know, whatever. I don't react well to alcohol whatsoever. So no, that's cool. In
1: Polynesian cultures, that's what they do. Instead of drinking yeah. alcohol, they'll drink, you know, kava and they have kava ceremonies, which is like so cool. So yeah, I yeah. love it. Yeah, kava ceremonies,
0: better sun, Um, you know, because they live at a better uh, latitude. Like, yeah, I think I belong there. That's where I should have been. That's for sure. Okay. Now, I got two things because I'd like to know about, obviously, one you, but then two clients. So we'll start with the first one. Where is, if I can ask, like, where is your health at today? Because I think you can tell a lot as you get into this work about how someone speaks and how they look or whatever. I mean, you look healthy, you're very verbally fluent. Like I feel like you can't really be doing those things and working as hard as you are while you're pursuing this doctorate if you weren't already feeling pretty good or had your health solidly under control. So where would you say you're at nowadays?
1: It's funny. I I just said to my mom a couple of weeks ago. I was like, "I feel like this is the healthiest that I've ever been and not even, you know, physical health and all that has always been I've been lucky enough, you know, where played sports my whole life. I was always into being healthy. Like that was really never an issue for me. My parents are healthy. Like I got good genetics which, you know, plays a role into it a bit. Um but I think my my biggest detriment has been my mind. Being, you know, a spaz about things, being an overachiever, being a recovering people pleaser, saying yes to everything. And that was to your point earlier, like my cup was so empty. And I think we see this a lot in the health space. All of us who are healers and helpers like Practitioner burnout is a very real thing. And so, you know, and again, when you're younger in your career, you want to take on more, you want to learn more. And that's really tough. And so uh, there was a time where I said to my mom, I was like, if I keep going at this pace, I will like absolutely have a mental breakdown at 30. And that's just like not the journey for me that I want to be on. So I need to course correct right now. Mm -hmm. And so... It's interesting enough because I, you know, my dissertation is on stress, anxiety, and inflammation, because again, they all kind of get looped together, but they all serve a purpose inherently. And so I think even just learning more about that, working with so many patients and clients over the years, like, I feel like it's advice is a form of nostalgia. So like, you know, advice that I'm giving to clients is things that I'm saying to myself as well. And so really learning about you know, neural pathways. And, you know, the, the again, psychoneuroimmunology, these other fields that can really affect how our body is responding. And I'm just having more balance in my life in general saying no, and not feeling bad about it, having boundaries like that, I think has elevated my health to a level that is, I think, the most optimal it's been in my entire adult life.
0: Awesome. That's so cool. I love how It seems like it almost never ends too. Like I'm constantly surprised. I've been doing this for so long and I feel great generally. I mean, Mm -hmm. my symptoms aren't really a problem. It's, It's nice, but I always feel like there's still another level of healing. And I think all of us just have zero idea how human beings are actually supposed to be feeling. Like just if we were in our true natural space, I I don't think we have any idea how good we could feel or how happy we could feel. Or just, I think the energy too is probably one of the biggest ones that's taken away. I just imagine that human beings out in the wild were crazy high energy. And we we wouldn't even have thought about it as crazy high energy. Not like in the super spaz ways you're talking about. It's more just a, a vitality. Vitality is the best word, I think. You just feel, it's one of those days you feel strong and good because you've been, Uh, you use the phrase wired and tired. And I love that you use that right in the beginning, because there's a lot different than feeling like vital, like, okay, I'm good. Like, I I, I have the strength to take on the day. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's like, you know, so important too, is just again, like meeting yourself where you are. And you know, like, especially this past year, again, everybody's been talking about like immune stuff and stress and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but when's the last time you boosted your emotional immune system? Like when is the last time that you, you know, again, when we don't feel well, we go to a doctor, like, If you're not feeling well mentally and emotionally, there is like a stigma around, you know, talking to a therapist or even just talking about emotions and probably even more so with men than it is with women. Right. And so it's like, let's check in with our emotional health, which I would argue is probably the foundation because your central nervous system, like everything else is just secondarily responding to what's going on in our brains and what's going on with our emotions. So like until you get that in check, you can't adaptogen or biohack your way out of the boring emotional health stuff that you need to do.
0: Sure. I'm definitely biased. So I'll admit that because so much of my story relates to mental health and is about mental health. But I really, really, really believe that everyone would benefit at least one time in their life, probably a lot more often than that, maybe like once a year, a quick check in with a counselor. Just see how it goes. And you might find that you want to do it a little more often than not. And what's cool is once you kind of break or change that paradigm in your mind that there doesn't need to be some stigma about this, you don't need to feel like icky or weird about it. I mean, I spent 13 years having an unwillingness to talk to someone about this and then hadn't had to go for six years. And then you know what? The coronavirus came and like several months after that started, I think there was a lot of factors, not even just related to the pandemic, but I was like, okay, okay. I can feel myself going backwards for the first time in a very long time. So let's just address that right away. And I wish we lived in a world like this, especially even with functional health, because you said yourself, I mean, people have normally been to like 20 other individuals by the time they get to you. And this still works. It still worked when I finally got to a counselor after 13 years. What happens if we live in a world where we go to the counselor or functional health practitioner just as quickly as we'd go to the doctor if we broke our arm? You wouldn't wait weeks or months. You go to the ER. Like you go immediately. That's just how it is. Now, of course, okay, maybe you don't need to go immediately for a minor stomach pain that's coming up every day because it wouldn't even be chronic then at that point. But I'm just saying within the first month for all like health symptoms that don't make sense or all um, you know, mental or emotional stuff that is kind of stacking up, I think really that should be the limit. Like we wait. Tops a month. see how it goes. If it doesn't get away in a month, yeah, we need to go start seeing someone else more than maybe just the Western side, or um, definitely we need to see someone in the mental health side. I think that would be great. But I know we're still a little bit of away from that. But I think the trend's moving in the right direction. And for better or for worse, the pandemic and coronavirus definitely, uh, I think it had to lower a lot of the stigma around mental health, because now just so many damn people are dealing with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But it's funny, because I love that you brought up like the analogy of like, you know, like, if you break your leg, no one's like, Oh, okay, it's been two days. Why (sighs) have it's been two weeks? Why isn't your leg better yet? But like, when we have mental health stuff going on, which generally is unpacking a lot of stuff from subconscious things that we weren't even aware of growing up or things that we just, you know, let go on for too long, like, you know, that's a really long process and a really long relationship you have to be in. So, you know, even this idea now where it's cool, because there's a lot more conversation around mental health and all that. But now we're also getting back, I feel like almost going backwards where people are trying to put a label on everything and being like, it's trauma, and it's this, and it's my childhood. And I'm like, Great, put whatever label you want on it, but still, what are you doing to work on it? Like, that's, yes. you know, it's, it's one thing to put a label on it now and say, I have an attachment anxiety style. And I'm like, okay, great. But like, what are you doing to change it? So, like, you know, I think we're still kind of in this weird neophyte kind of phase where it's like, okay, there's a bit more conversation. Like, let's keep mm-hmm. going. Let's keep going and see where it can go from there.
0: You nailed it. And I see that I have no problem saying this. And I hope this doesn't, uh, well, I think on this podcast, we'd be a lot safer. But I mean, seriously, even just addressing that can like almost be something you can't say in today's world. I've dealt with mental health issues just as severely as some of the worst cases you've heard of. I I get it. I'm in the space myself. And I still think, yeah, there is a huge issue right now where we're like, we've lowered the stigma of like identifying it. So now they have no problem saying like, "I, I have depression or I have whatever, but there is absolutely no path to get out of it. It's this like permanent label, this idea that, oh, I'm going to deal with major depressive disorder forever. I'm like, wow, like, who told you that needs to happen? Like, that's, that's crazy right. to me. Yeah, um I, like I don't think that
1: kind of thing, you know, where it's like, Oh, <laughs> yes. well, I have a label. So I'll just not deal with it. And like, that's just what it is. And it's like, No, that's where we need to go further and see what else is going on. Let's go down the rabbit sure. hole.
0: Sure. Cool. So um, I want to make sure that I have enough time to kind of shout out the things that you're working on and then ask our signature uh, question on the podcast. But I do have one more question before those two things. And as someone who has probably worked with so many individuals over the years and has been doing this for a while, to the degree that you're able, um, I would love to know like maybe... Again, maybe it doesn't have to be specific unless they're willing to share it publicly. But a client testimonial or something where this person came to and maybe they're dealing with a lot of really serious things and you were able to help them out. Does anything stick out on like the uh, just on the top of your head?
1: I mean, I get texts on the daily from people who I have, and you, again, I think there's a lot of delayed gratification in this field. You work with somebody for a while, you don't really <laughs> yeah. hear from them, you don't know. You're like, do I suck at my job? I don't know. You know, sometimes there's like that kind of whatever, and you know, because people come to you and they're so at their wit's end. And I'll get random texts being like, I haven't slept in, you know, like, I, you know, I had such, all these problems with sleeping. And, you know, like now that I have my sleep hygiene down, like I'm sleeping through the night and I wasn't sleeping for years or... For me, one of the biggest successes that I hear is these people who are breaking toxic patterns with with people, with themselves being like, I never used to allow myself to relax. And today I went to the park and I like had a new cup of coffee by myself and it was amazing. So some of those mental health breakthroughs, those like non-scale victories, where I hear people just being kinder to themselves or being like, you know what, my plate's full and I said no. And I drew this boundary and I cut this person out of my life. Like when I get text messages like that or messages like that, That is what really like lights me up and keeps me going when I have those days where I'm like, it's a tough one today.
0: Okay. Very cool. Um, So as someone who is never stopping learning and you're always working on this stuff, I know, I mean, please share all the things that you're working on and like where people can find you, but I'm particularly interested in the podcast. So maybe we could start with with website where people can find you if they want to work with you and then talk about the podcast that you're working on. Cause I always love shouting out other podcasts on this particular podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for bringing it up. Yes. uh, My website is BriannaDiorio.com. And my brother actually just did a whole upgrade of my website, like Brianna (laughs) 2.0. So it's amazing. That's where you can find literally all things Brianna Diorio. You know, there's a link to my podcast there. My podcast is called the Brianna Approved Podcast, which is really great because I talk about having balance in your life. I talk about mechanisms of action, clinical research, botanical medicine, and kind of, you know, everything in between. And it's, you know, it's fun. It's, I try and nerd out. I have fun little segments on there. And then, you know, I'm very active on Instagram as well. That's kind of where I drop the most knowledge, um, which is app around the Diorio. But for anybody who's an FDN fan, I will be speaking at the FDN symposium in October. So I'm very excited. I will be speaking about nerve beans in particular. So supporting the nervous system for all those stress forward, anxious kind of people. So getting tickets for that, I think would be one of the best ways to kind of, you know, learn a little bit more.
0: It's an awesome shout out because we, we haven't talked about it on here and not that we can't, for those that are listening, just so you know, it would probably be best for a practitioner because there's a lot of like business training mixed with the health training. So if you're just one of those people out there, that's kind of on your health journey, I'm not saying you couldn't get something from it. It's worth the money, but you know, perhaps you might be a little, out of place, just because there is like business trainings and stuff. However, I know that we have a ton of practitioners listening on here. So thank you for bringing that up, because I just haven't done that yet. And that's as simple as going to fdnsymposium.com. It is only 129 bucks for like two days of Jam-packed content coming up October first and second, I believe it is, or second and third. Um, first is a Friday. Is that what we're doing? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I just get told the, what I I'm doing it's here. The first
1: and the second, because I think I'm presenting on the first, but okay, I yeah. should probably know more
0: about that as well. I was about to say, um, yeah. I just get told what I'm doing, and then that's that's it. You know, show up to these things. So, mm-hmm. and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. So, with that all said, and obviously people know where they can find you, and I'll put the podcast and the website in the links below. I want to finish up today by asking you the signature question on the health detective podcast. And it's kind of simple, but for someone with all your knowledge, this is going to be probably interesting to see what you say. If Brianna had a magic wand and could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that was actually literally get them to do one thing or maybe get them to stop doing one thing, what is the one thing you'd get them to do?
1: Go walk outside, go spend time in nature. Honestly, I mean, endorphins from, you know, vitamin D, um, getting negative ions from the sea, getting terpenes from the forest. I mean, literally, nature therapy is one of the easiest, most simple, free things that you can do for your health. There is research that talks about when you exercise outdoors, how that can actually increase learning capabilities, cognitive function. So go outside, it's free and it's good for literally everything in your body.
0: Check this out. So why would a PhD, soon to be PhD, be saying to us that a walk in nature is the one thing that she would get people to do for their health? Is this just hippie stuff and she totally went off the deep end? Wow, ignoring all the science that she read. No, quite the opposite. Because Brianna is smart enough to know that all of these issues that we're having primarily come from chronic stress. Now, are there any studies showing what happens to individuals when they go outside? Well, actually, there are. There was a really cool study done. I just pulled this up for you guys. I was actually looking for a different one, and I found this one, checked it out. I'm like, okay, I actually really like this. <laughs> so the participants were encouraged to spend at least 10 minutes outside with no maximum duration. Participants were also free to customize their nature experiences to fit their lifestyle and environment. The only constraints on their nature time were the following. It had to be during daylight. There could not be any strenuous aerobic exercise that would raise cortisol levels. No social media, internet, phone calls, conversations, and reading. And it had to last more than 10 minutes. What the researchers found is that the sweet spot was 20 to 30 minutes of sitting or walking in nature to get the greatest drop in cortisol levels. It was a significant drop, just for 20 to 30 minutes. Now beyond that, cortisol levels still decreased, but it was just at a lower rate. Now, this part I definitely was not looking for, but I got to throw it in here as well. So taking into account potential complicating factors such as wealthier kids could have uh, more access to green space, the study also found that children who are surrounded by nature have a, drum roll, please, I'll give you guys one here, there we go, right on the desk, have a 55% lower risk of having mental health issues as an adult. Children who are surrounded by nature have a 55% lower risk of having mental health issues as adults. Wow. I'll leave this in the show notes for you guys if you want to check this out. I'll actually leave the article and then you can see the study links on there as well. But oh my goodness. Sometimes I'm wondering like, it's so amazing that we can do all the fancy stuff but the longer I do this, the more I realize kind of the genius behind Reed Davis and Reed Davis is the founder of FDN because at his core of the teachings that he brings, it is about lifestyle. We did a whole episode on dress. If you haven't listened to that yet, please go back a few episodes and listen to it. It's very short. It's only 20 minutes and it explains the core of what we're doing here and why the lab tests Jess, are wonderful. But at the end of the day. If you don't do the other stuff, you can run all the labs in the world, you can spend tens of thousands of dollars if you wanted to, it ain't going to work. And I think these types of findings in these uh, studies are perfect and prime examples of how we cannot out-lab test and out-supplement the basics of what it means to be a human being. We might need to do an episode on that in and of itself, huh? (laughs) Anyway, I just want to thank Brianna so much again for hopping on and sharing her knowledge with us. And we're wishing you, Brianna, the best of luck in finishing up your PhD. And hopefully it doesn't cause you too much stress along the way. No pun intended. And I want to thank you, the listener, for listening to yet another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. If you are enjoying the information that we're sharing here, we'd love one of two things or both if you're really feeling um, like you love us today. Leaving us a review on Apple's uh, podcast, just search for... The Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive on Apple Podcasts. Click that five-star review and maybe leave us some kind words. But even better, I think, than that would actually be just sharing this on your social media. If you found something today that was super helpful and you're like, wow, I like knowing that. Well, then just stop and think for a second. How many other people do you think need to hear that? Wouldn't it be kind of cool if we shared it with them? (laughs) pretty simple, right? But I'll just leave that thought there. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon, but until that time, take good care. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to FDNThrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's FDNThrive.com.